trying to get everything I possibly can crammed in before the show begins. Oh my goodness, what has gotten into the NFL? And no, it's not scripted. (laughs) My mother tells me sometimes it has to be rigged. It has to be rigged because of the way things play out. But I honestly just think it's a couple of things. It's the fact that the NFL is uber competitive, of course. There's so much on the line, and there's still so much up for grabs. And because of that, you've got a battle of wills. And then you think about the physical nature of the game. And so, of course, it can swing one or two plays, whether it's defense, whether it's offense. These are the best players in the world. So obviously, they're going to capture lightning in a bottle at times. It's just so tough to separate yourself in the NFL. Even the Eagles, who are 13-1, and are not even remotely invincible. The teams that have won double-digit games, if they don't take care of their business, they're susceptible too. And so there's that. And then there's injuries. Injuries are a great equalizer. And how many teams are we seeing right now who are using backup quarterbacks, maybe their third-string quarterbacks, but not just that. They've resorted to second-string and third-string linemen on both the offensive and defensive side. We're seeing players who are returning now from IR. Welcome back, Darren Waller, for the Raiders and others. But a lot of times, this point in the season, with under a month to go, and you're talking about teams that are held together by duct tape in some cases. So all of that makes for some really exciting finishes. But, oh my gosh. The NFL used week 15 as a way to grab our attention. Uh, Maybe getting jealous over the World Cup and how great the finish was to the World Cup. (laughs) You know what I tell you? The NFL is a jealous lover. Can't stand it when you start to pay attention to anything else. Doesn't like it when you split your loyalties. And boy, did week 15... Jerk us back. Can't look away for a second, can we? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. 1,100 miles is what I drove to get back here. (laughs) I left on Thursday afternoon. I passed through... Six states and one district, 1,100 miles behind the wheel when I finally got back here in studio a few hours ago. Oh, yeah. That's how much this matters to me. (laughs) And so it was quite a weekend. My younger niece was beaming with joy that so many people showed up for her college graduation in Blacksburg, Virginia. It was pretty cool. We made a ton of noise when she had her name called and walked across the stage. We're yelling and screaming. That was fun. (laughs) The smile on her face was amazing. So it was a lot of driving, but she is totally worth it. And I've told her multiple times, 
You're totally worth it, Lore. But here I am, back, ready to talk Week 15 and playoff picture because it is coming together. So you can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Because I was scrambling to try to catch up and keep up on Sunday, really the weekend, I did not tweet at all on Sunday. Sometimes I use Twitter as a way to remind me what I was feeling in the moment, what I saw, just because it's impossible to remember everything. But this weekend, I just didn't have the time to do the tweeting. So Twitter got the shaft, but that's what the show is for, to talk about everything that we saw. And why don't we start with playoff picture before we get to Sunday Night Football, which definitely had an impact on the playoff picture. For those of you who are Bills fans, part of Bills Mafia, maybe you do a little table slamming, Buffalo did clinch a playoff spot in the snow. It was glorious on Saturday night. That's five wins in a row for the Bills, and they're now clear by three games in the AFC East. So while they haven't yet clinched the division, they're pretty darn close. Also clinching a playoff spot, the Kansas City Chiefs in dramatic fashion. Is there any other kind of fashion in the NFL these days? I don't think so. The Chiefs win their seventh straight AFC West title. Do you know the last time a team other than the Chiefs won the division? Peyton Manning's last year. The Broncos running through the division to get to Super Bowl 50. That was the last time the Chiefs have dominated the division since then. And we've had instances where other teams have made the playoffs from the division. But the Chiefs, they've locked it up. Now an 11-3 and record. So same record as the Bills in that race for top spot in the AFC. But the Bills have the tie break. So the Chiefs would have to win it outright. That's it. Just those two teams in the AFC. The Bengals moved to 10-4. and They've won six games in a row now. One of the hottest teams in the NFL. Boy, did we see this from them last year too, right? They found their groove late in the season as Joe was getting, Joe Burrow to you and me, (laughs) was getting comfortable on that repaired ACL. And now they're playing some of their best football. But they ratcheted up the degree of difficulty on Sunday with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers racing out to a 17-0 lead. I think this might be rock bottom for Brady and the Bucs. It was bad in the second half. Speaking of bad, the Titans have dropped four games in a row. They're now back to 500. So do you know there is not one team in either South Division that has a winning record? Ew. Usually we say those types of things about the East. The NFC East. Not this year. Eight teams in the South Divisions. Not one of them is above 500. And yet, somebody's got to win these divisions. The Titans don't watch out. The Jaguars are going to steal it from them. The Jaguars have won three of their last four. And it was a confidence-building, program-building 
culture-building win again against the Dallas Cowboys. And there were a lot of Dallas fans in Jacksonville, but I did hear the Jaguars fans too. So now you've got the Jaguars sitting one game out in the AFC South because the Titans are going the wrong way. They're a mess right now. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. In the NFC East, we knew the Eagles had clinched a playoff spot. The Cowboys joined them this week, but only after the Giants win on Sunday night. So the Cowboys didn't clinch outright with their own victory against Jacksonville. They lose in overtime, but they moved to 10. Well, they are in the playoffs, even at 10 and four. The Vikings on Saturday in what may have been the most improbable, unlikely, completely ridiculous. Okay, there was a lot of that this weekend. (laughs) I'm going to run out of hyperbole if I don't dial it back in the first segment of the show. The Vikings rallied from 33-0 down at halftime against the Colts. They finally clinched the NFC North at 11-3. And then going back to Thursday when we kicked off week 15, man, that feels like a long time ago. The Niners, who have the longest win streak in the NFL right now, they also clinched the division. At 10-4, and they are winners of the NFC West. They put themselves in a real good position to get back to that NFC championship game. So that is the playoff picture. And we're going to go through all the nuances and tell you who else is in at this point. But so much could still change. Lions fans, high feeling. Lions fans, are you believing yet? We might have to talk some Lions football this week. Can you believe, speaking of this week, that it's now inside of a week to Christmas? Whoa. And happy Hanukkah. To those of you who are celebrating first day, first night of Hanukkah on Sunday, I know a lot of people are celebrating that as well this week. And so it's a good time to have holiday cheer. The NFL just has got to insert itself into the conversation. <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. If you haven't yet registered your guests, For the number of M&Ms in our Christmas mason jar, you have just over 24 hours. We are cutting you off, as in cutting you off. I just did the throat slash. It's a little bit uh, violent and probably inappropriate for M&Ms. But we're cutting you off. Yeah, seriously, something happened. M&Ms made me do that. Some guy thought he was going to be really smart and tell me that there were two M&Ms in the jar, red and green. I guess he missed the brown ones. Oh, well, I I showed my family uh, this mason jar in the video that you put together, Jay, with my favorite Christmas song, which is pinned to the top of our show Twitter after our CBS and also on our Facebook page. So you know exactly where to find it. And they they were so tickled that then they pulled out uh, uh, the Bose smart speaker and cranked it all over the house. So, so I want hippopotamus was airing uh, throughout. Yes. Nice. Very and nice. then, and I don't know how this happened. Then I think it was my mom uh, who was Googling something to do with hippos. Oh, did you know a, 
a group of hippos is called a bloat. A bloat? Is that not the best word you've ever heard? That is pretty good. I a know bloat that. of hippos. <laughs> also, hippos are not. They're not nice animals. They're mean. Oh, I, that I didn't know. Yeah. And so somehow we went from I want a hippopotamus for Christmas to, oh, because there's a line in the song in the second verse in which Gayla Peavy sings about how her mom told her that the hippo would eat her, but her teacher said that hip, hippos are vegetarians. We're going to have to hear that line. So anyway, that that then spawned a conversation in my in my family gathering about the hippo that recently ate a small boy. And then some, I don't know, somehow they got him to spit the boy up. And so the boy actually lived. He, the hippo upchucked him a little bit like the Gosh. whale, the whale with Jonah so from the Bible. Anyway. So yeah, the, the hippo had not, I guess, fully eaten the boy. And not at him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I just know the boy survived. Anyway, hippos definitely eat people. They will just for spite. They're they're not they're not messing around. They're very aggressive. They are very the aggressive, water, especially. Yeah. When I was in Africa, uh, we were in South Africa Mozambique border, and we were at Kruger National Park, and one of the last areas that we passed through on our safari was this ginormous watering hole with, oh gosh, 50 hippos, 50. And it was early spring there. So I went in September and it was early spring in Africa on the East coast of Africa. And there were baby hippos everywhere. So then you have to be really careful because the hippos are more aggressive when there's babies. But yeah, as long as you, and they even said to us, don't get close to the watering hole. You don't want to do that. Uh, we were allowed to stand near our trucks. And in some cases, people wouldn't even get out because they run fast and yeah. they, they will charge you. They're pretty aggressive. Uh, so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't stray far from our cars. Uh, but it was cool to open up the door and stand on the car door and just kind of watch this bloat of hippos. <laughs> As I say, there's probably about 50 of them. There, it, was, it was like their hangout. Do you want to hear how many... Deaths are by, by humans are caused by Did hippos per Google year. Did you just Google this? Yes. Oh, I had heavens. To. I was okay. Curious. Go ahead. 500. 500 people? An estimated 500 deaths annually from hippos to humans. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot more than I thought. I assume most of that is in Africa. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where uh, the hippos just roam free. But yes, it's uh, it's not as though hippos are good pets. It's just a really cute song. My teacher tells me hippos are vegetarians. <laughs> you see? It's just catchy. Don't you worry. This week, when I'm done talking about football, never really done talking about football, this week, when we have some time, we'll play the whole song for you just because. You love it. Okay, I love it. I love it when you hear it. <laughs> and it's my favorite Christmas song. Non-traditional, non-Christmas carol, but my fave. <laughs> you need to find the line where she talks about how the, the hippo will eat her or something. And then I'm telling you, it's the start of the second verse. And then, <laughs> and then a teacher told her that hippos are vegetarians. No. So one of my nieces pops up. That's not true. Hippos are not vegetarians. <laughs> no. 
All right, we're going to dive in with Sunday night football, and then from there we'll go division by division. So we'll go Sunday night football, Giants in Washington against the Commanders, and then we will backpedal to the Cowboys and also the Eagles. We've got a lot to get to, really looking forward to and uh, picking apart what we saw. I would love to hear from you on Twitter or on Facebook. What was the craziest moment that you saw this weekend in the NFL? Or maybe we just say football. And you can talk about France and Mbappe coming back and tying the World Cup championship only to have it go to overtime and then penalty kicks. Holy cow. What a weekend. Glad to have you with us. I'm here in studio 1,100 miles just to get back to you. Where are you? It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Heineke in a shotgun set, takes the snap back to throw. He's under pressure, sacked by Thibodeau. The ball's loose on the ground, scooped up in the end zone for a touchdown. Damon Thibodeau with the sack, the force fumble, and then the touchdown. He completes the trifecta, and the Giants take the lead. The closer has entered the building. He has been a monster in this first half of the football game. And Carl, remember when he sacked Heineke at MetLife Stadium? He just sacked him. This time he went in with the old LT chop and forced the fumble. Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence. Defense set the tone from the very beginning for the New York Giants, and that's been the case for most of this season. And they had gone through a rough stretch where they had won only a single game in their last six tries. So this was a big deal. Last time they stepped on the field at MetLife Stadium against the Commanders in their division, they battled. They stumbled to a tie, and it was brutal. Combined final six possessions in that tie, punts, all punts. And so in this one, you want to put your defense first because you know points are going to be hard to come by. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Huge game for the rookie, Kayvon Thibodeau. We'll hear from him coming up. Defensive end, Oregon! (laughs) Forgot about that. Such a great moment at the draft in the spring. First touchdown of the the game, excuse me, comes from this strip of Taylor Heineke on the one-yard line. And Thibodeau knocks the ball away. This is about the most athletic play you'll see all day. Knocks the ball away on the one-yard line from behind. So he's getting pushed out and behind and is able to get around the O-linemen, knock the ball away from Taylor Heineke, and then tracks it down. That puppy bounces away maybe 10 yards along the goal line. It's crazy that nobody else was there. He just tracks it. He follows it all the way toward the far pylon, uh, pylon, excuse me, and is able to grab it and get into the end zone for the score. The second touchdown couldn't have been any more opposite. (laughs) So you had one yard TD, a fumble recovery, and then you have the Giants settle in. 18 plays, 97 yards, eight minutes, and 35 seconds. Barkley in the Wildcat. Keeps it. Runs left. Into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants. 
Saquon Barkley from three yards out, his ninth rushing touchdown of the season, and the Giants cap off a Monmouth gigantic 97-yard drive. 18 plays, Barkley with the touchdown, and the Giants now lead it 13-3 with the extra point pending. Once again, Bob Papa on Giants Radio. It was Monmouth, all right. That particular drive was so dominant in the trenches for the Giants. And Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida, a little bit of him. Daniel Jones, of course. What you most want from Daniel Jones, I think the number one thing is for him to not turn the ball over. And we've seen him make smarter decisions this season. But man, does it help when you've got a healthy Saquon Barkley. That is the number one way that the Giants can be successful is to have Saquon Barkley out there as a weapon in the backfield with Daniel Jones. So New York goes up 14-3, but because these games are never blowouts ever, and because Taylor Heineke is fearless and he doesn't care how much the deck is stacked against him, the commanders rally. Down inside the 20-yard line at the 19. Robinson is the back. Heineke is in the gun. Here's the snap. Heineke fakes the handoff. Back to throw. Looking. Fires down the middle for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Taylor Heineke puts it on a line to Jahan Dotson. Sixth receiving touchdown of the year. This one from 20 yards out. And Washington caps off an impressive drive with a touchdown strike. Ryan Radke on Westwood one. That's middle of the third quarter. Now a couple of critical moments. Even when the commanders were doing something right, they were leaving points out there and wasting opportunities. The missed point after attempt following that touchdown leaves them behind 14 to nine. Okay. And so we had the defensive touchdown in the first quarter. You have a missed point after attempt. So there you're talking about points just lying on the field and it goes the Giants way. And then once again, when the Giants had to come up with a big play, it was the defensive side of the ball. Giant fans on their feet here in Washington trying to urge on this defense. Fourth and goal at the six. Heineke in a shotgun set. Giants lead by eight. Gibson to his right. He takes the snap. He's back to throw. He's under pressure. He backs away from pressure. Still looking. Now rolls left. Rolls into the end zone. And it's knocked away incomplete. Darnay Holmes knocked it away. Thibodeau had a monster game. But Darnay Holmes makes the key play on Samuel. And the Giant fans rejoice here at FedEx Field. As they hold on. On a fourth and goal at the sixth. Leading by eight. There was a lot in that led up to that moment. A couple of penalties that Commanders fans are still talking about that Ron Rivera is trying not to talk about. One in particular, a Washington TD was wiped off the board with about a minute to go because of an illegal formation penalty called on Terry McLaurin. So the defense is able to hold in the red zone. Washington gets up close and personal with the goal line, but cannot get across. And once again, nothing easy in the NFC East. Beast. The NFC Beast. I'm just glad they didn't end in a tie. Not this time. Kayvon Thibodeau with a dozen tackles, three of them for loss. A sack, a fumble forced, and recovered, and a touchdown. He was definitely the star of this one for the Giants as they move to 
five and one. This game was gritty. You know, if I had to really tell you about it, it was a game that, you know, we knew you had to dig deep, right? It's cold, it's freezing, you hurting, everything. Everything is against you, you know? And um, I think us as a team, we took it upon ourselves to call our fights, right? At that, as a D-line, we, there was no dodging, right? Everybody called out who they wanted. There are definitely some nerves there, but uh, a lot of faith in our defense. They did a really, really good job all game, really, um, holding them and then came up, came up real big at the end. Um, some big time plays, but plays by those guys. So, hats off to them. Tough, hard fought game uh, on the road. It's a division team that obviously played a few weeks ago. Um, you know, just made a few more plays than they did. Thought we protected the ball well, and then uh, some critical plays there at the end that we made. And um, you know, proud of the guys the way they competed. So it was a good win. So Daniel Jones credits the defense. And the defense only allows the commanders a single third down conversion in this game. So one of 10 on third down, plus the two takeaways by the Giants defense. And yes, as you hear with Brian Dayball, you'll take it. It's one of those games that you feel like is really hard fought. And it took everything you had. Gritty was the word that Kayvon used. But after just a single win in their last six They needed this one badly. Now, by virtue of the Giants' win, the Cowboys clinch a playoff spot. So they don't do it in their game against Jacksonville, but the Giants catapult the Cowboys into the postseason. And now the Giants are sitting at 8-5-1. Interestingly enough, all four teams in that division are still in the playoffs because the Seahawks have backpedaled and have fallen to seven and seven. And the Lions are what? The Lions are seven and seven. So that tie for the commanders is keeping Washington ahead of both Seattle and Detroit for the playoffs. And now the Giants have the actual tiebreaker. It's kind of interesting because in division battles, You only have the tiebreaker if you sweep both games, generally. But because (laughs) there was a tie between these two, now the Giants actually have the tie break over Washington should they end up with the same record. But right now, Giants are a game up, third place in the NFC Beast. Washington, with a lot of good yards on the ground. Saquon Barkley, too. This was really smash mouth football. I liked it. It's kind of the right way to end, but almost the opposite of what we saw from most of the NFL this weekend. Seriously, what has gotten into the NFL? You can find me on Twitter, ALaw Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, was the craziest thing you saw this weekend. There's plenty to choose from. We're going to get to all of it. But Cowboys. Jaguars coming up next, plus the Eagles move to 13-1 and as we look at the rest of the NFC East. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Prescott under center, handoff, Elliott up the middle to the five. Reaching for the goal line, touchdown, Cowboys. Prescott long count, back in the gun, well protected, going deep to the right side, into the end zone, perfect throw to Hendershot. 
touchdown, Cowboys. Here's a play fake and a rollout, and Prescott throws it back into the middle to Noah Brown. Touchdown, Cowboys. It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody. On After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. The Cowboys were taking care of business early against the Jacksonville Jaguars, as you hear with Brad Sham on Cowboys Radio. Touchdowns on three straight drives in the first half put them up 21-7. to But Jacksonville had a little something-something up their sleeves. First down from their own 41 for the Jaguars. Under center is Trevor Lawrence. Play fake. Dropping. Rolling right. Looking downfield. Fires. Got a man down there. Zay Jones is down there. Makes a catch at the 20. Inside the 15 to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence to Zay Jones. Third and goal from the 10. Trevor drops again. Fires right side of the end zone. That ball is caught for the touchdown. Marvin Jones Jr. 27-24 Cowboys leader. Trevor drops. Looks. Pump fake. Fires in the back of the end zone. That ball's caught. 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 Touchdown, Zay Jones. The Jags have taken the lead. How good is that? Jacksonville has taken the lead. Frank Frangie on Jaguars Radio. Have a day, Zay Jones. Have a day, Zay. He was everywhere. Not just his third touchdown that gave Jacksonville the 31-27 edge, but the fact that he was also critical with other catches that didn't necessarily go for scores, um, but were huge down the stretch. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Now, there were missed opportunities for the Cowboys in this one. In fact, if you were watching this game, you may recall that Dallas not only had the 14-point lead that was squandered, but also forced a Trevor Lawrence fumble with a minute and 38 seconds to go. At that point... After Dak Prescott led their touchdown drive to go back in front, right? So after the Zay Jones, the third Zay Jones that gave the Jaguars the lead, then Dak Prescott engineered what was a masterful drive. Mid-fourth quarter, seven minutes off the clock, and it's Noah Brown who comes up with a couple of huge catches, including the 13-yard TD. Dak was under pressure, pockets collapsing. He spins out of the pocket to his left and then fires cross body to get to Noah Brown in the end zone. It was a low throw. Brown went down and got it. And with that, the Cowboys were up 34-31. Three minutes to go, 34-31. And then as I say, 90 seconds later, roughly 90 seconds later, they force a Trevor Lawrence fumble. But they go three and out. They do nothing with it. All they had to do was get a first down. That's it. And I suppose you could question the play calls there. They don't even take 30 seconds off the clock. They get no yards and don't even take 30 seconds off the clock. And so when they give the ball back to Jacksonville, they're still well over a minute to go. And Jacksonville had one more timeout. Yeah, on third and 10, Dak takes a deep shot to Noah down the left sideline. He was streaking down the left sideline. But the ball was, the ball and the receiver were not in the same place. 
And so they squander that takeaway by their defense. Don't even get 30 seconds off the clock and then send Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence right back out there. And he is able to convert a third and 10, then a third and three to get into field goal range with just a few seconds left in the fourth quarter. Here we go. 48-yarder from the left hash for Riley Patterson. The kick is up, and the kick is good! Riley Patterson has tied the game at 34 on the last play of regulation. How good is that? He crushed it. Good question. Frank Frangie with the call on Jaguars radio. So Jacksonville has three touchdowns in a row in the second half and then is able to take a minute in the fourth quarter and get into field goal range for Riley Patterson to send this one into overtime. And even thought that was crazy. Well, the Jaguars saved the best for last. This is a third and three from their 47. Trips to the right. Elliott now the running back in place of Pollard. Shotgun for Prescott. He drops the throw. Looking, looking. Fires middle of the field, and that ball is picked off. It is picked off by Rayshon Jenkins. He's running it back along the right sideline. That is going to be a touchdown. That is going to be a touchdown. The Jags are going to win it on a Rayshon Jenkins pick six. Are you kidding me? How good is that? I saw a pop in the air. I was like, yo, I, I, I got I to score right here. I mean, it's only Dak, and, and I mean, I, I, I like me on that one. So, man, uh, I saw it. I caught it. Um, it was a huge block by somebody in front of me. I, I don't even know who it was. I just ended up cutting right inside of them. And, man, I, I was I was running for dear life, man. My hamstrings about to pull and everything. I said, I, I, had to, I had to end that one. So, that was cool. You, you struggled last year and had a tough year. Mm-hmm. Why? What has changed for you? I mean, this is it's not just today. Coaching. Now, I'm gonna just be very upfront and honest. It was coaching, so it, we we we're a way smarter team now. We got information uh, coming to us, and and, and um, you know our, our coaches do a really good job of making sure we know what's coming and uh, making sure we're prepared going into the um, game. I think it's fairly obvious that Doug Peterson taking over as head coach has made a huge difference, but it's not just for Trevor Lawrence. Even though Doug was a quarterback and Trevor has spoken about how great it is to have a coach who speaks the same language as he has, that he does, that he understands what Trevor's facing and seeing and what he's going through. But it's also the winning culture. And this is one of those stepping stones, building blocks for the Jaguars. They've now won three of four. They're one game out. In the AFC South, they moved to six and eight. And for them, whether or not they make the playoffs, I think the playoffs would be great. It would be fun for them. Certainly would be a surprise considering the swoon they went through midseason. But that would be cherry on top. You are already seeing the changes in confidence, certainly in competence and these are culture building wins once again Frank Frangi on Jags radio is a tipped pass by Trey Herndon Dak Prescott fires it in low 
and it gets tipped up in the air. And Rayshon is able to get his arms under it, keep his balance, and not pull any hamstrings on the way to the end zone. The walk-off. Doug Peterson has got his Jaguars pointed in the right direction. Guys are, are playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, they're playing together. We're playing complimentary football. We, we've, you know, early in the season, we probably weren't. We're doing that now, and... and you know, we, I guess the biggest thing, too, is if we just continue to focus on us and keep it internal, I, I, I do think that, that good, good things are going to happen for this team. We still have a long way to go, even with three games. We're on a short week, you know, uh, playing on Thursday night on the road, and it's it's tough. You know, we got to check out the injury situation. I mean, it's we've got our work cut out for us still. So a long way to go is a phrase you're still hearing from teams in their locker rooms. That's true. There's still so much to be decided. Then why, oh why, are reporters throwing around the phrase team of destiny with Trevor Lawrence? It just shows what this game is about. You know, you ne- you're never out of it. And, you know, obviously we put ourselves, we've been saying this for a while, we put ourselves in a hole with that little rough stretch we were on, but you're never out of it. And I think that's the cool thing about this game is you get to see, you know, see yourselves fight through adversity, be resilient. Um, and we're a lot better for it, even today, just the way we won that game. When you win games like this, like we did at Baltimore, too, and the Raiders, all those things, when you win games like this, it just builds so much trust in, in your group. And when this comes up again, because it's going to happen again, we're going to be down 7 or 14 again, and, you know, there's no panic because we've, we've been there. Literally, that's what we say on the sideline is, hey, we've been here before. That's what we said today. And, and we got three games left to give ourselves a shot. And, you know, we're really only focusing on the Jets now. And that's what you have to do, one game at a time and, and see where we're at. But we're stacking up pretty nicely here at the end. So we got we to gotta keep going. You can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page. After Hours with Amy Lawrence, we're going to put a post up. What's the crazier ending, the craziest thing you saw in the NFL in Week 15? There were a lot of wild swings. From the category of you can't freaking make this stuff up. And so you'll see that post come up. But this is certainly a candidate. The Jaguars winning in overtime. Even when it appeared as though they were dead in the water. Fumbling the ball away. Trailing by three with 90 seconds to go. I still can't get over that the Cowboys squandered that opportunity. You want to be a big-time offense? Well, then you got to possess the ball for longer than 30 seconds and keep it away from your opponent. You've asked your defense to do everything. Your defense did. And then you make nothing of this gift that they give you. So, yeah, for Dak Prescott, this is a painful one because they had not just a 14-point lead, but they had everything they wanted right in front of them. Late in the second half, uh, was trying to throw it to Dalton um, uh, and kind of got grabbed from the back at the same time as I was throwing. The ball just came out of my hand, obviously high. Um, yeah, unfortunate. Um, and then in, the, in overtime, uh, crossing route, was throwing it low on purpose uh, and just wasn't able to, uh, to make the play and the connection between us two and obviously tips up and guy makes a great catch right there above the ground. And frustration grows, obviously. Uh, you, to end the game on a... Pick six, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. It's frustrating. Um, and not only that, as I said, the first one, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I just got to not even try to throw the ball right there. Feel, feel the guy grab me and just tuck the ball and um, take the sack and just and just move on, move on to the next play. And uh, that, that's that that's that balance. So Dak has three touchdowns, but he also ends up with a pair of interceptions, both of them in the second half. And the last one is returned for the walk-off TD. So what about their second half challenges offensively? That's the tough spot, especially when the third quarter this season has been where, where we've come out. We've come out hot after making adjustments. Um, and so for tonight, that'd be to be our lull and uh, obviously have the turnover and have um, some, some stall outs, some three and outs, and uh, don't, don't get it going. Uh, it's tough, but it's hard for me to give you that answer right now. Haven't watched film. Um, Got to go back and do that uh, and, and go from there. The Cowboys end up in the playoffs anyway, courtesy of the New York Giants. So if the Giants win on Saturday night, I'm sorry, Sunday night puts the Cowboys into the postseason. However, this is the kind of game that with this kind of tension and pressure that they could face in the postseason, they've got to clean up the mistakes in order to be a viable Super Bowl candidate. It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio.